Um, let's just pray as we get started. Father, thank you for this time uh, that we gather as a church family, as a church body, as your uh, called people. And Father, I pray that your spirit would be present here in this place as we open your word here shortly. But I also, Father, just want to pray for the uh, ministry of, of, uh, of education, if you will, God, and, and the teachers and our principals who will begin to gather next week and, and have an opportunity to influence our students and to impact our students and to lead our students. So I pray that your spirit would be upon them. Father, I pray that you give them peace. I pray that you would sharpen and hone their skills and their abilities. I pray more than anything else that you would discipline them to carve out time to be in your word and to just pray and to love their families and not to neglect their families. I pray that you would be with them, Father. I pray that your spirit would be on them in a very powerful way. But Father, bless this time that we have this morning and may your spirit speak to each one of us as we talk about leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so um, in my neighborhood as I was growing up, we had a lot of kids, and as a bunch of kids, especially during the summertime, we spent a lot of time playing uh, sports. I mean, we just did all the sports. You know, we had a basketball hoop, and we had a, 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 a field that we would play football on. We had a basketball hoop. We had a baseball, or we just played kickball in the street, you know, and that's a base, and that's a base, and that's just how you did it. Or you played, you know, you played tag. But we were constantly active in team sports. And so when you have, a, when you have team sports, there's got to be a way that you divide up you know, all the, all the people, all the kids in the neighborhood onto, onto teams so you can do these, these team sports. And so typically the way it went, and maybe it's true for you too and the way that your neighborhood worked, but you usually had the older kids there. And if the older kids were there and they were getting involved, you knew it was going to be pretty serious games, right? Um, but the, you take the two older kids and they would be the captains. And then, um, you know, they would decide who's going to get the first pick. And then, then they would start choosing, and they would, they would pick, and it, you know, it was kind of the pecking order, you knew, you knew how it was going to go down, but they were looking for the athlete in the neighborhood who they had already maybe gotten a glimpse of, or at least by all appearances looked like, they could influence the outcome of the game uh, so that they could win, right? If you're the captain of the team, you're looking for the dude, you're like, I've heard that that guy can catch. He doesn't drop a pass. I want him. I've heard that she is incredibly fast. She is quick. She's little, but she can move. And, uh, or I've heard that, you know, this guy can hit. I, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not quick, but he's big. He can put the ball over the fence. We want him on our team because we're looking for, we're looking for the athlete. We're looking for the player to be on our team who can dramatically impact and influence the game so that our team can win. And there are those, there are those people, there are those players, those influencers that can do that. That's the power that's the power of, of influence, right? So here's the thing. As we, as we talk about influence, you have to talk about leadership. John Maxwell, uh, leadership guru, you know, he is the godfather, he's the Yoda of leadership. He says this, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. 
And if you look at the Bible, if you look carefully, you see how God has, has recruited and called and, and invited significant leaders in Scripture, courageous leaders. God has called them to be on his side and on his team. Why? Because he saw in them the potential to be influencers on behalf of his purposes in the world. The cool thing about God, the cool thing about God is this, though. He, he looks at everyone and he sees them as having the potential to be significant leaders and influencers in his purposes and in his kingdom. In other words, he's not prejudiced by your, your obvious giftedness or your, your, your assumed talents and abilities or your good looks or your, you know, those people who have it all. God is not impressed. God looks not at the outward appearance, but in the, in the heart. And so God, God, God sees all of us. That's the cool thing about God's economy. He doesn't, he doesn't look at it the way you and I do. We look at the athlete and with the talented, we go, yeah, yeah, I need you, you on my team. And maybe there's something to that. But in God's economy, he sees the potential that lies in everyone. He, he's small, short, tall, dark, white, black, orange, pink, whatever. You are, you are in God's eyes a potential influencer on behalf of what he wants to do in the world. Because leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And so um, great case study in scripture about this very thing, Abraham. Abraham is God's man, and notice the call of Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Because again, God always comes along looking for those potential influencers. There's a passage over in 2 Chronicles that says, The eyes of the Lord range throughout all the earth, throughout the whole earth, to see whose hearts are fully committed to him. Wow. Why? Because God knows that he can take that person, whoever they are, whatever they look like, wherever they come from, whatever their background is, and he can take a heart. He can work with those who have a heart that he can mold and he can shape to leverage for his purposes. So, so here's Abraham. Here's Abram, not quite Abraham. Here's Abram, and listen to this call of God on his life. The Lord had said to Abram, the Lord has said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What a, what a powerful imagery of leadership and God seeing the potential for influence for his purposes in the world. So notice what Abram is called to. And again, this is what I believe, that God is always coming along looking for those he can tap on the shoulder, looking for those he can call into doing and being a part of his purposes in the world. But notice what, what God is asking of Abram. Dude, leave your country, your people, your father's household. 
Leave everything that's familiar to you. Leave everything that brings you a sense of security. Bring everything that is routine and normal and nice and calm and peaceful to you and completely disrupt it. Move out from this place of comfort and security that you know because I've got something more for you. Wow. I, I imagine Abram thought he had always, you know, he's, he, I'm a, I'm, he's fairly important. He's got, some, he's got some wealth. He's got potential for more wealth. He comes from a solid background for the most part. God says, no, 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 you're playing small ball. I got something bigger in mind for you. I mean, what a, what a challenge to those of us who sense the calling of God on our lives. Because this, this really is the, the heart of it, isn't it? To, to, to take us out of that place of, of comfort and familiarity and security. Come on, security is huge in our lives. What do we want? And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. We want security. We have security systems on our homes so nobody can break in and mess up our sense of security. We don't want to feel vulnerable. We don't want to feel like, you know, we, we, like, we want financial security. We want, we want job security. We want security is huge. We put on seatbelts in our cars because we want to be secure in case there's a crash. We pray. What is, what is the general focus of our prayer lives? Lord, please take care of me, right? Because security... A sense, of, a sense of comfort and security is huge. And, and for Abram, that's huge. For Abram, that's huge. Leave your country, leave your people, your connections, the people you've built relationships with, your networks. I need you to leave that. Leave your father's household. Leave your inheritance. Leave the, the wealth that you stand to inherit, Abram. Leave it, dude. Just walk away. Really? Basically, what God is asking him to do is to totally abandon his very identity. Leave it all. This is what you know. This is what you think you are, but I'm tapping you on the shoulder. I've got something bigger for you. I've got, I've got, I've got a whole, I've, there, there are children and generations that you're going to have, and you have an important role to play. In fact, the greatest leader is going to come through your line, Abraham. I've got something big for you. In fact, again, God's asking him to abandon his very identity, and he gives him a new name. <laughs> You're Abraham. You're no longer Abram. You're abandoning everything that you used to know, and I'm calling you to something great and something big. Leadership, man. God may have a vision for how he's going to use your your influence in the world. And it, it may not call for you to leave your house. It may not call for you to leave the connections and the relationships that you know, but it very well may challenge you to leave the place of security and comfort that you do know. 
And God may give you sort of a whole new identity and a whole new, a whole new uh, place in which he wants you to go and do whatever he calls you to do to leverage your influence in the world. But what's really powerful is to see that God is still calling people to his team. The same way he called Abram, made him Abraham, gave him a whole new identity. He's still calling people. to. I need you to be on my team. And I don't care about your abilities and all that. I look at your heart. I see a heart that has great potential for what I need to do in the world. So I'm calling. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. I want you on my team. Your influence is great. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Paul affirms this whole idea because you and I are part of the same household of Abraham, right? Right? Should, should, I, should I make you sing the song that we all sang growing up if you're an Adventist? Should I, should I make us do it? Father Abraham, amen. No, please don't. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> so we are all of the household of Abraham. We're part of Abraham's seed. And Paul affirms this very notion, Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. No, remember what he says. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But verse 29 seals it. He says this, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are part of Abraham's household. You indeed have a father, Abraham, and as much as that as much as that sonship and that daughtership entitles you to inherit all the blessings that God bestowed upon Abraham, it also entitles you to the wonderful blessing of joining God and in influencing the world. Your little small sphere of the world or an even greater sphere of the world. Nevertheless, you and I inherited the same calling, the same tap on the shoulder that came to Abraham is the same tap on the shoulder that comes to you and comes to me because God sees potential in you. He sees potential in me for us to leverage our influence, to use our influence for how he wants to touch. No, 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 no. It's the word that, they, that, that is used in Abraham's call to bless to bless, to be a blessing. That's God's model for leadership. I'm going to call you, I'm going to bless you, and then you get to be a blessing. I'm going to call you, I'm going to bless you, and then you're going to bless everybody around you. I'm going to call you, I'm going to bless you, and then you're going to use your influence to bless those around you. Because God understands power of influence. And, and truth be told, we've all understood the power of influence for a long time, right? So here's, here again, um, our, parents, um, our parents were concerned about influence because they always told us what? The, steer clear of the, the bad people out there. The bad, those are bad kids. Don't hang out with them because if you hang out with them, they're going to lead you astray, right? Yeah, that, that, that's the power of influence. Um, and then when we did every now and then, because you and I were good kids, right? We did the good thing. Every now and then, though, we followed the crowd. We did, with ev we did what everyone else was doing. And maybe some of the foolishness we got into, you know, uh, our parents found out about. And we were just kind of, we were with the group. We're just doing Everybody else is doing it. We're just doing it too. And they found out about it. And they were like, come on, what were you thinking? What were you doing? Come on. 
And our response was, what, you know, well, everybody else was doing it too. I was just, just going along with everybody else. And then, then our parents threw this hypothetical at us. It was great, right? So, so if all the kids went and jumped off the cliff, you would go with them too, right? <laughs> well, no, mom. Come on. Right? Because our parents understood the power of influence. God understands the power of leadership and influence. So God comes along and he taps you and he says, I see enormous potential in you to leverage your, 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 your influence and your leadership for good and not for bad, for blessings and not for curses. It's huge with God. In fact, go to, um, there's another passage that I want you to think about and just hear because the Bible's big on influence, it understands the power of it. James chapter three and verse one. James chapter three and verse one, listen to this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Because the Bible understands the power of a teacher and the influence that a teacher has over those they're called to teach and to direct and to give guidance to, right? Teachers have a powerful influence over people. Be careful, those of you who might desire to be a teacher, because guess what? You're going to be held far more accountable. There's going to be greater responsibility placed on your life because you have the power of influence on your students and on those people who sit under your teaching. So it's no small matter, it's no small thing. God takes this whole idea of influence very, very seriously. And Jesus would come along in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 6 and say this, catch this, how severely Jesus even speaks of the power of influence. Matthew 18, 6, he says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, right, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Yeah. If you use your influence and rather than being a blessing, you become a curse to the, to the little ones, to the ones who are easily uh, impressionable, it would be better for you. This is Jesus sort of laying it down. It would be better for you if you are no longer with us, <laughs> right? Because the Bible understands the power of leadership and the potential that leadership has and the potential that influence has to move people and to stir people and to, to accomplish God's purposes because he always comes along and he taps people on the shoulder and he speaks to their hearts and he stirs their consciences that they that they can't help but long to be a part of what God is doing in the world, to leverage their influence for the sake of the kingdom. And collectively, man, collectively the church, you, you take all the, the potential influence here, even in this room right now, and you put that all together, and God calls that the church. He says, you guys, we to the, together collectively have an enormous capacity to carry out the purposes of God in this world. So here's the thing. I am, 
<coughs> excuse me. I have never, in my adult life, I have never worked, um, I've never worked anywhere else but the church. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, it's funny, I, uh, we, we did the series, the frame series, and um, last week, Pastor uh, Steve did Unity, and uh, b- the week before that, though, Pastor Jeff uh, did uh, the church, and um, I didn't preach that week, but Pastor Jeff did the church, and I remember listening a little bit, and um, he talked about how he loved the church, and um, it was sincere, it was absolutely the case, and, uh, but I can echo that, and I think I heard Steve last week echo that same thing, we love Love, love, love the church. It's the only place I've ever worked. I, I don't know what it's like not to get a paycheck from the church. because it's it's That's the way I've sustained my life, my entire adult life. In fact, I started when I was 14 years old. I'd just become a, a Seventh-day Adventist at 13. And then at 14, you guys, I went to summer camp. And I liked it so much. You guys influenced me so significantly. And Jesus was there. I could see it. I could feel, I could sense that God was working. That I said, hey, can I, can I just like hang around and work? Can I just be here? And, and you know, the, the, always the response from the church, well, we don't have enough money. But, okay, okay, well, <laughs> that's okay. I'll do it for free. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'll, I just want to be here. I just want to be in this environment. And it was such a powerful, powerful thing. So all along my life, my adult life, I have seen the potential and the influence and the power of, of the church and the collective, the collective energy and the collective potential that we have. And so the greatest frustration for those of us who have spent our lives serving and giving and being a part of of the, of, the, of the clergy or the, of the pastorate of, of the ministry is that when we, when we, when we sense that p- potentially the, the church doesn't and understand its God-given potential. Or when we, when, we set these, when we set these ceilings for ourselves, oh, well, well we, can't, we can never do that or we can never do this or we can never become this, we can never become that. Man, you want to talk about, I will punch a wall, Okay. <laughs> Because it's so, so not true. Because the God of the universe says, I have placed within my body, I have, I have given you such influence and potential, and by my power you can leverage that potential to accomplish my purposes in this world. And don't you dare, don't you dare put a limit on what God can do. Don't you for a minute think, that God can't use what he's given us with, what he's blessed us with. That's what he said. We are, we are inheritors of the blessings of Abraham. He says, don't you dare put a limit on what my blessing can accomplish so that you can bless other people. Because at the end of the day, I mean, think of that calling, people. Think of the calling to bless people. I can't think of an easier job. <laughs> He didn't tell us to like go do something incredibly impossible. He just calls us. In the way that I have blessed you, would you please just bless someone? Would you come alongside and be an encourager? This is what the word blessings, this is the Hebrew word barak in the Old Testament. It comes with the idea, would you just come along and praise people? Just give praise. Lift them up. Encourage people. 
there's another, there's another word there that's used uh, for, for bless, and it has the idea of kneeling. Kneeling. Just serve people and bless them. Bless them. Be an encourager, not a discourager. Lift them up. Don't drag them down. Love them wherever they are. Bless them. I have blessed you. I've given you everything. And through that influence, through what? Through, the, through your influence, you will be a blessing. Leverage that influence to be a blessing. This is not lost at all anywhere in the Bible. If you go to Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 6, check this out. This is Isaiah writing many centuries later. Nevertheless, you hear the same thought, the same thing come through. I, the Lord, officially commission you and me. I take hold of your hand, so we're not in this alone. God has our hand. I protect you and make you a covenant mediator for people and a light to the nations. You get to be a blessing of light to people. You get to shine in a dark place and give people hope. You ever fumbled around in the darkness and needed a light? Yeah. That's kind of the way of the world is now. A lot of people fumbling around in the darkness, but the church comes along not as a bully, but as a blessing and shines light. Here, Isaiah, again, in chapter 60 and verse 3, he says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Nations will come to your light. So when we gather like this and when we're collectively together, we are a light to the world. And people are drawn to the light. They come check the light out. They come to see if indeed these people are a blessing to me or if they're not. Here's the cool thing. Remember how Abraham got a whole new identity. He got a whole new name. He came to the table as Abram, full of potential, full of influence. And God says, I'm going to take you out of that comfortable, secure place. And I'm going to drop you into a place where I can leverage your influence for my good. Well, God gives his people a new name too. Multiple names. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Listen to this. You are the salt of the earth. <laughs> so turn to the person next to you and say, hey, salt, how you doing? That's, yeah. You never thought you would get the name salt, right? You probably have been called salty, maybe, but not salt, right? <laughs> salt. Hey, you are. This is Jesus. Said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Here's your second name. Your salt. Call it your first name. I don't know. Here's your last name. You are the light. Light of the world. So turn to the person next to you and say, hey, my name is Light. <laughs> What's yours? Light, right? Light. Not only is it a new name, but it's a new identity. God is, is attempting to communicate to us that there's something more to you. And you, you possess enormous potential to influence my purposes in this world. You are not just Joe or Sally or John or Bill or Bernie 
your salt and your light. You are light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on that stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. All the nations of the earth will see and all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. It's pretty cool to think about. Collectively, us being the light. But, but think too that individually, you are all light. We just talked about that. You remember back in the day, <coughs> excuse me. Remember back in the day, the Oprah Winfrey show? Remember Oprah Winfrey show? Some of you watched it. Every now and then I watch it. But Oprah would do this show. It was her favorite thing. So it was around Christmas and the holidays. And that was always a really big show because everything that Oprah thought was really cool and, and it, it was really cool and it was her favorite thing. If you happen to be an audience member that day in the studio at her show there in Chicago, you, she would give you everything that was her favorite thing. And these are really cool things, all right? No question about it. And one, one year, I think it was, uh, this was the show, but she, one year she decided to give everybody a car. <laughs> yeah. And so, so they, you know, made the, they made the big build up to it and everything. And then, she, then they come out and they say, you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. Remember Oprah? You get a car, you get a car. And at home you're kind of going, I wish I could get a car, right? <laughs> but think about the God of the universe looks at each one of us and he goes, you're light. And your light, and your light, and your light, and your light, and your light. I have given you light, and I've given you life, and I've given you joy, and I've given you purpose. Now take those gifts that I've blessed you with, take all that I have given you, and now use it to bless someone else. That, that is not the hardest calling in the world. And God even says, look, you don't even have to move. I'm going to let you stay at your house. You don't have to leave your friends or your connections. In fact, why don't you start at home? Start with the people right around your table. Bless them. Start with the people in your church, on your pew, and bless them. All right, I got I to gotta wrap it up. I'm going to end with this passage. From uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Then I want you to hear a story about a young adult who's doing some really awesome stuff. So um, this is powerful. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen people. We've been tapped on the shoulder. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you. That's blessing people that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's us, the chosen, the priesthood, the called. And here's the story. Um, <clears throat> young lady in, in my church that I pastored prior to coming here, and um, wonderful young lady, and I don't know that we fully appreciated her potential at the time, uh, there were some that did, and they invested, and they mentored her, I believe, but, but I don't know that we appreciated it as much in the church, but we soon, we saw glimpses, and, but um, and see, I got to tell you her name, and I, I, I'm going to have to apologize to her because I didn't get her permission, but I'm going to tell you her name anyway. Um, see if you catch this. This is her name, legit, not making it up. 
Sarah Abraham. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I didn't even plan that. It's just the way it is. All right. But she wrote, she posted this on Facebook. She, um, she posted about how she's been involved in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and how she's leveraging her influence to bless some little kids. And you just gotta, you just gotta hear her own heart about this. She says this, a lot of people ask me why I got involved with Big Brothers, Big Sisters. This is the biggest reason. Growing up, I had no one I really looked up to, little to no guidance, and no one in my life who was older than me that I trusted to talk through it all with. <clears throat> I decided that even though I never had a role model in my life, that I could still be a role model for, for a child facing similar circumstances. I am by no means perfect, but I'm sincerely invested in my little. That's what they call the person you mentor, a little. You're a big, they're a little. I love her unconditionally, and I believe she is capable of anything. Isn't that good, being a blessing? She sets her mind, she sets her mind to. I believe she can accomplish anything she sets her mind to. I have seen the progress that she has made since we have been matched. One of her biggest accomplishments is that she has gone from struggling to read simple sentences to being on the honor roll in school and reading 11th grade sight words. She has, made, she has made significant advances socially, academically, and emotionally. And even though I never had one myself, I really feel that I understand the value of a child having a mentor in their life. I... There you go. And, and he, this is a young lady who says that I didn't have anyone invest in me. So she came to the table essentially at, a, at zero or at a deficit maybe, perhaps in some ways. And then she decides I'm gonna be a blessing despite the fact that nobody invested in me really. Now think about what you have and what you've been given. Some of us, yeah, we, we didn't have that either. We're probably at the same place. But a lot of us have been given a lot. A lot of us have been blessed significantly. And what can we do to leverage what we've been given to bless those around us? What could we do? How could we bless? How can we invest? Let's pray. Father, so grateful for the potential that exists in our community. So grateful, God, for how you've blessed and gifted and given us so much, Lord. I know that I am blessed beyond measure. So many people mentored me and guided me and invested in me along the way. There is no excuse, God, for me. But Father, may we be inspired by stories like Sarah's and stories that we hear all around us. And, and may our own story be something that stirs the people around us, Lord. But whatever the case may be, may we take seriously the call to influence, to lead, and to lead well wherever we are. Thank you, God, for tapping us on the shoulder. Thank you for, for calling us to this community. Thank you for allowing us the privilege to be able to lead. And may we do so. May we do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.